This is Dabalon. My name is Trent Reynolds, and in this podcast, I have conversations with artists about materials. If you are enjoying this podcast and want it to continue, please subscribe or make a one-time contribution at dabalon.com forward slash podcast. Leave a five-star rating on iTunes and tell all the people, all your friends or anyone you think might be interested. The longevity of this program very much depends on your support, and I thank you. In this episode, I am talking with another of my studio mates, Rob Holmesy. Rob is one of the newest additions to the studio, so I haven't had too many opportunities to talk with him. It was great to have an excuse to hear more about his work. Rob has a very wide range of experience in several different creative fields. So I'm sure there are many conversations to be had, but at the moment, he is working mostly in clay, so that is what we focus on in this conversation. The best place to see his work is on Instagram at Rob Homesy Studio. That's spelled R-O-B-H-O-M-S-Y Studio, S-T-U-D-I-O. Here's my conversation with artist Rob Homesy. You've covered a lot of territory in terms of creativity, not just in visual art, but other others as well. Can you give just like a survey of all the different fields that you've touched upon in your career? Sure. Um, I have a basic de- design degree that was sort of pre-computer, not sort of, it was pre-computers. So they taught us how to, a foundation in, you know, drawing and painting and ceramics and weaving. And you'd have to learn how to do the stuff first and then design it. Right. So um, it was um, heavy on um, process and, you know, materials. And, you know, I've uh, along uh, over the years, I have always been a working artist, but in all different fields. So, you know, I started as a furniture designer, ended up an interior designer, um, became a decorative painter, um, which is, you know, faux finish and murals and that sort of thing. Um, And um, all the while doing ceramics on and off ceramics isn't the easiest thing to do if you don't have a proper studio or somewhere to do it because you need a kiln obviously had you done ceramics in school yeah so that was my first um uh taste of 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 ceramics was you know at ucla again many years ago and when you when you took that ceramics class was there did it feel like you'd found something that Felt right, or well, you know, I was young, but yes. I mean, the short answer is yes. I, you know, I was, I was. It was UCLA. I was young. I wanted to go to football games and go to parties, and you know, I wasn't the best student. Let's just say that. But when I got older and um, um, had, you know, choices, you know, it wasn't a class. I wasn't in school. I thought, you know what, I, I wanted. I knew that there was something there that I hadn't done yet with clay. You know, there was enough of a foundation about how to make things, both hand building and throwing on the wheel and glazing. You know, there's a lot of factors to clay um, and ceramics. But um, I think that, yeah, maybe even subconsciously, I just knew that there was more to explore. And... um, just started doing it when and where I could in workshops and in friends' studios. And, and then, you know, finally, finally, many, many years later, got my own, you know, kiln and ceramic space and um, 
you know, got into production pottery, which is where I am now. That's what I do predominantly. Right. When you first found it and you were just, you know, learning about it, um, were you doing vessels? Were you doing like practical stuff or was it? Or... Yeah, well, you know, it's school, so there's assignments. And, um, and that, I, that's what I think I meant when, you know, there was something still there that I hadn't explored. And I think that was my, you know, finding my own voice and what I wanted to make, you know, when you're, when you're in school and you're, you're completing assignments, um, you have a different objective, right? You, you want to get a grade, you want to pass the class, you want to do well, um, and hopefully at the same time make some, you know, rad art. But um, those things don't always go hand in hand. I made, you know, my fair share of really heavy, you know, ceramic blobs, you know, that when you're done, you know, there's a permanence to pottery that I really love, you know, maybe we can talk about that a little bit more, but, you know, then you're, you know, then you have this thing like, you know, so I guess, yes, the, 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 um, there's so much possible in ceramics there. It's not, you know, it's a three-dimensional art form, but it also has surface treatment, you know, so there's that element of sort of decoration or, you know, if you want it to be painterly, you know, that's where my painting, you know, background and, and painting and drawing can come into play with the ceramics. It just depends on where you want to take it. And there's, it seems to me like there's a very strong undertone um, in ceramics of, or a tie to some kind of utility. Like, uh, it seems like it's hard to get away from that, right? <laughs> It's either, it's like a tile, so it's used <laughs> you're in, right, you're right. or it's a plate, yes. or it's a vessel of some kind, or, you know, even when it's like more, you know, less focused on utility, it's like it can't help but refer to that. Like, think, so it's like yeah. a vessel, but yeah. it's like twisted up so it can't be used. For sure. So it's like a, a direct link to that, even though, you know, like, it's trying That's to... That's where its roots are. Right. You know, um, I'm sure Is that, that part of its appeal for you, is is that kind of undertone of, of... I think so. I mean, there's, you know, first of all, it's a, you know, an art form that's been around, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years, right? Right. Um, probably the first um, fired pots were accidents, you know, somebody... Right you know put them in a fire you know or was trying to heat up water and then it got yeah. hard and then they were like wait you know and the same for glazes you know glazes are formed with all kinds of chemicals and elements most of them being soda ash and salt and things like that right. which flux and then you know coat the surface with this impermeable you know glaze we call it now but there's something fascinating about that you know also the historicity the, the history but yeah okay so back to vessels and you're right i think that you know up until the i think it was the, uh, my art history you know knowledge is here but mine too <laughs> um i think it was in the 50s and there was a school of of, uh, of pottery and it was um, a few guys, I think they were at Otis, one very famous, uh, who went on to be a very famous potter, uh, Peter Volkus. Mm. They were the first, is at least the, don't quote me on the 50s, <laughs> 60s, 70s. But what they, what they did was, this is in the deconstruction, you know, deconstructivism right. uh, movement. And um, up until that point, 
pottery was functional. Right. You know, it was a vase or a tile or a plate or something that you used. And, um, and if you made a vessel that had a hole in the bottom, you were just nuts, right? But this, these guys were breaking all those boundaries down and um, uh, trying to uh, move as much clay as they could. Like they'd say, okay, we've got 100 pounds of clay and you know, it's two hours or whatever the case may be and try to make as many pots as they could. And it, you know, the, the forms broke down and they became these sort of you know, really primitive vessels that either would or wouldn't hold water. You know? And I think that was sort of the beginning of, of um, the shift away you know, from strictly functional ceramic um, art. And then of course in the 70s, 60s and 70s, there were a lot of pretty famous artists that you know, had whole careers you know, with sculpture and, you know, are you interested in that conversation, or is it just you're aware of it but not super you yeah, know, intrigued by it? I I like function. I right. I want to make, and I think it goes back to that you know nineteen year old me that made that weird blob thing that weighed a zillion pounds and that I didn't know what to do with. Right. Hmm. So I feel like. Not to say I won't be making, and not, I, I want like I don't want to insult any ceramic sculptors by any means, but um, for me, making something that I can use and enjoy that's also beautiful and mm-hmm. interesting is more interest is 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 more interesting to me as a maker. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure why. I I find for me like uh, like painting portraits. Mm. There's something like psychological or emotionally fulfilling for me about that. It's like I'm, I'm meditating about on this person. I'm making it like I'm focusing on their image. I'm trying to recreate a likeness of them. And it's like during those hours of painting that picture, I'm like, you know, devoting my creative energy to them. To them. Right? right. And I wonder if, uh, you know, the fact that this, these, are, uh, these are objects that will be used in somebody's life. You know, and they will, you know, does that idea appeal to you? I love that idea. Right. And in my kitchen cupboards, I know or have met every person that has made all my plates, mugs, dishes, bowls. That's cool. Um, And to me, that is super cool. You know, that is something that, and some of them have, you know, a fingerprint here or, you know, a weird little mark there. They don't stack up perfectly like, you know, a set of plates from Macy's or wherever, but um, they're all special and beautiful in their own way. And, you know, some of them, I, you know, if I need something that matches, I'll buy more than one. But, but even the ones that, you know, in quotes match, don't match because they're all handmade, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, a lot of times I wonder, especially now that I'm producing on a larger scale, um, I wonder where they end up. Actually, a friend of mine told me recently a story that you know she was she was at a friend of hers house. This is a friend of my partner's. Told him, like I saw one of Rob's pieces at my friend's house. You know, that's like that's kind of cool. You know, like and I had no idea, right? Right. So even if you don't know where they are, just the idea that they're out there in the world, 
and they're they're fulfilling their you know right. their destiny right. as a bowl or a tray. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> do you do you get that same sense of satisfaction though? Make you've made paintings and you've done graphic yes, design and yes. you've done interior design. Yeah. Do you get that same sense of fulfillment that of kind of being incorporated in somebody's lives? That or is a is it really not? really good question. I don't I, imagine it's as potent because there's something about like. Actually, okay. So for interiors, I think it is. Because my main objective when I approach an interior is I want my client to love it. I want it to be better than they thought it would ever be, but I also want them to feel like, you know, I want them to be proud of their home, want to be in it, love what it looks and feels like, you know. So that's sort of fulfilling its function as a, you know, a design space. So I think that's along the same lines. Paintings. It's a good question. Um, I think it's a, maybe a little the same. Paintings are seem there's a there's a little bit less function. I mean, I know they're obviously decorative right. and you know, but you you're not using them as a surface yeah, to eat off of, right? Or, right. right. <laughs> or you're not living on, you know, in them or, um, yeah, and. All you painters out there, please don't think that I think that painting is just decoration, please. <laughs> but definitely more so than... Well, you know, the opposite could say be said about ceramics is that, you know, it's only craft or only functional, you know, or something like that, you know, and, and the opposite way. Uh, I try not to get into those discussions because they feel like they're losing battles in a way. Well, then where does it, yeah, where do you end up? Well, you can argue both sides and both, you know, really valid you know, they're both valid arguments. Um, and, and so that's, you know, I look to myself and I guess I think what you're, you know, going for is what, or what you asked me to begin with is, you know, what appealed to you about ceramics, you know, and, and you know, and, and having knowledge in so many different mediums, um, you know, how is, how and why is this the one I've ended up with? You know, like, but I think it's because there is so much possible there's, you know, one thing I should mention that I do love about uh, pottery is that um, there's an element of, it's not chance, but there is kind of a wild card element to, you know, clay and that you have to hand it over to the fire. You have to put it in the kiln and no matter how experienced you are, you know, I've been doing pottery for over 30 years and I still will screw up a piece, you know, it happens. You know, less so now, thank, <laughs> uh, thankfully. But um, it's part of the process. Even if you, you know, make the same bowl with the same glaze, you know, 20 times, there's just maybe one time that there was, you know, something in the glaze or it was too close to one of the heating elements or, you know, on a lower shelf in the kiln and it didn't get enough air and so it's a little bit of a different color. You know, having that sort of uh, transformation um, is is pretty magical. You know, I've heard a lot of potters, you know, uh, consider you know opening opening the kiln. You know, they liken it to to Christmas morning. You sure. know, um, especially when you're going for atmospheric firings using salt ash, sort of ash, wood firings, because um, all those things do. They give flares on the pots or colors that you don't know until you open that kiln. You have no way of knowing what it's going to look like 
until you see what nature did. And I remember doing, was it called Raku when you... Uh, Raku, same, yes. You just yes. stick it in a trash can with a bunch yes. of this. <laughs> you know what I wonder about, like along those lines is, you know, that element element of magic or alchemy or something, you know, that uh, that the material itself introduces this unknown, right, or wild Yes. Card. I wonder if in in pottery that feels more intense because it's such a dramatic thing when it goes off the rails, right? When, Because you could, you, your thing could explode or it could melt and stick to the stone. Those are rookie or mistakes. It yeah. Can, yeah, that, okay, well, maybe not. But I, I kind of envision No, you're that. right, though. There is it's a like, lot of... It's like the, like the stakes are higher almost. They can, yes, they can be, you know. Um, like Saya, you know, he had a, a series of plates and, you know, for whatever reason, they, you know, a bunch of them cracked or the, he stacked them in between firing and, you know, it just seems like, and then like, you know, 100 hours out the window. You know, it's yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. So some really, I don't know, it's like, it feels on, at some level like more is on the line. Is that is that a misperception or is that something you feel? I think for people just starting, it's a bigger issue, sure. you know. Uh, but that's only because they're learning the capabilities and of the clay, and they're learning construction, and they're learning how to make something, you know. Like for you know ex things exploding in a kiln, I haven't had anything explode in years. That's because I know how dry it needs to be. I know how if it's how you know however thick you just learn these things over time. So if it's too thick, it's too wet or whatever. You know I even know how to program my kiln to sort of preheat it and dry it out before the firing even starts. So if I have something that I think might even pop, I'll just put it on a preheat just to be safe. You know. Uh, so you just you know it's, I think it's just experience and. So it's a is, learning curve <laughs> to dig a little deeper into that. Yeah. Like, do you try to control it as much as possible and then just find joy in that little wild card of lack of control that the material will always have? Or do you purposefully introduce, uh, not slop, but like uh, some... This is a great question. So yes, there are artists that do both. I'm, I'm a little bit more towards the control side of it. Right, right. <laughs> um, because, oh, but that's only because I need to replicate you know, the same object numerous times. If I was making big ceramic blobs or sculptures or whatever, you know, maybe I would loosen up with that. Um, but, um, but with that being said, you know, that moment that, you know, two glazes overlap and make a third color, you know, um, that is money right there, right? So, and that's what makes it exciting. And so I do a lot of tests. I do a lot of testing because, you know, if you have a, you know, a vase, like you said, you may have spent hours on, you know, how many hours making this set of plates or whatever it might be. I'm not going to wing it on the glaze job, right? So I'm going to do you know, a decent amount of testing uh, beforehand with little tiles or any, you know, whatever. You know, and, um, will you always, when you make a like, you know, set of plates, will you always keep some scraps of clay off to the side from that block of clay to test with so you, there's some consistency in your testing 
or does that not really matter? It doesn't have to be that specific one. It can just it just it needs to be the same clay, you know, um, just to see how a specific because there's so many variables, you know, like whatever the iron content is the clay in the clay can actually inform the color of the glaze um, that's on top of it. There's a lot of factors, um, but um, you know, the easiest way is when I get a new glaze, I just, I have a whole bunch of test tiles already pre-made and all my clay bodies. And I'll just, whenever I get a new color, I'll just make some new tests, pop them in the kiln. That way I know what color that is on that clay. I also do, you know, one coat, two coats, three coats, so I can see how the glaze will move. I can also see how it looks on texture, you know, there's a lot of information on that one little test tile that I, you know, then I hang it on my wall in my studio. Can I take a picture of your, your test tile wall? <laughs> sure, yeah. You can tell, like, I've got my own, like, I delight to a certain degree in, like, organization and, you know, yeah. that stuff. There's kind of a, I don't know, I get into that. Well, those are my, you know, so that would be, like, my box of paints, you know. So when it comes time to, you know, create something new, I can, um, I guess I could liken it to either, less so paint, because most glazes aren't mixable, but it's more like a printmaker. Sure. You get your whole print set up and your plate or your silk screen or whatever you're going to use, and then you're going to pre-mix all your inks. You know, so those, you know, those textiles of those glazes are, are my library of colors that I then can use and apply, you know, however I want to on that particular piece, pretty confidently, you know. Every once in a while, I will do something that I, I'm pretty sure is going to work on a finished piece, and, you know, sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't, and every time I do that, I think, ah, no more experimenting on finished work, you know, and then, I think I, I think I have a few things that I, I keep meaning to hang them up on my wall just to, as a reminder. Don't experiment on finished work. Do a do a test. <laughs> I'm sure that that must be painful to have that. It's it's uh, you know you learn to so that's another really interesting thing about ceramics. Like you said, things can crack or joints can pop apart. You could have an inclusion in the glaze. There's numerous things that can happen in a firing. And so you have to be able to let go of that and know that, you know, it may not come out and um, I can make another, you know, it's not the end of the world, you know, oftentimes, you know, I've had stuff that I really, really needed to be done and it comes out and it warped or something and, I, you know, and, you know, that I just smash and throw it in the trash can and make another. There's no real way to go backwards from that. I think that's one of the hardest lessons for people like of any creative in any creative endeavor to to learn is you know that to let go of that preciousness right i think it it's, it manifests in so many different yes. ways right yeah. in, in the midst of the process but also just like yeah I, I had something in my like i see so many students like you know it's almost as if they're treating this like their great masterpiece. You yes, know? It's yes. It's like it's that level of yes. investment on their part. Yes. And I see how I used to do that too. And I've kept all my, you know, paintings Your from masterpieces. high school. Your masterpieces. Yeah. Excellent. And 
and I, you know, being able to look in retrospect and also see this happening to my students, you know, it's just like, it's so apparent to me how, how much that holds people back. It's like, you got to learn how to, I agree. I agree. I think it, um, not to say that everyone should rush, but also I think you can spend too much time on something, you know, sure. like I think, and I think it's that preciousness that, you know, um, that's why it's, you know, ceramics forces you to let go of that. Right. Um, especially when you're new and you're beginning, because even the glaze on the test tile that's hanging on the wall may not your piece you know you might not have put it on the same thickness so it's going to look different or splotchy or it could have been next to something else that gave it a color flare you know there's so yeah. many different things that are out of your control that's why i teach ceramics too and i talk to my students about that precious object syndrome that's what i mm -hmm. like to call it and that is you know try to let go of that just know that you made that one, right? Like you had success, it's right there. Let's finish it, let's fire it, let's do it, right? right? And then you can learn from what comes out of the kiln, whether it's cracked, exploded, or, you know, beautiful object that, you know, your mom and dad are gonna fight over, you know, like right. it, it um, and hopefully it's the beautiful object, right? But, right. Um, but oftentimes people are disappointed with what comes out of the kiln and, sure. and that, you know, rightfully so. Um, that's why I like to have people try to let go of that sort of right. precious quality and try things. It's really more about trying and testing and making, you know. Right. Um, I actually think that for all art. Yeah, you know? yeah, I think there's a lot of, I'm a, definitely a lot of crossover there. I'm a big uh, fan of, you know, just try it, just do it. Just make it right. There in, in ceramics, there's definitely there. There's kind of a, a purist school. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. I guess that's any like. I with, think yeah. Yeah. With oil I paints, I can yeah. I can think of that. Like you know, you go <laughs> yeah. to that the, the art atelier and they yeah. grind their own paints and they yeah, only yeah, use yeah. Venetian linen. You know, and it's like, I yeah, it's it's there. I'm sure in in every field. But do you? Uh, where do you, where are you in that spectrum? Do you feel uh, like David, I was talking to him about ceramics and he obviously has no hesitance to defile. Yeah, so <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I, uh, I, I love David's work. Um, he's, he's such a talented artist in all respects. But, right. um, you know, when I look at his ceramic work, I wish, sometimes I wish, like, wish my brain worked that way. But it just doesn't, you know, there's sure. room for everybody. Um, yeah. He makes what he makes. I make what I make. They look different. Neither one is better or worse, you know. I do think, you know, what I would say is that, um, I mean, I had, a, I had a purist. All of my instructors, both at UCLA, in Santa Barbara, um, in private uh, workshops, most of them have been purists, right? So I have this foundation of sort of I don't want to say perfection, but let's say technique. You know? Sure. Okay. So so that's what I started with. So I well, think I'm being super free. Right. You know, I think right. I'm Lucy, Lucy. Well, just to clarify, to yeah. what what I mean by purist, it means like you only. There's a very um, 
I don't know, like you keep ceramic materials with ceramics. You don't. Try oh, to, oh, oh, oh. Like, like David uses um, uses resin. He uses acrylic paints. He uses like there's this um, blending of me media and yeah, techniques yeah. that I think would probably make. Uh, you know the the ceramic purists cringe a little bit because a hundred percent. There, are, I know you know some galleries that probably wouldn't show David's work, unfortunately, because right. there's paint involved. But right. but I think where we are in history right now, and there's so many you know young artists making work right now. Right. Um, I wish I had some names for you. I don't, but they're mixing crazy stuff with pottery you know like right. um somebody flocks you know pottery there's there's some soft sculpture mixed in with ceramic elements and mm. and i think you know that discourse that conversation has been opened up and i think right. that you know it's moving away from that sort of purist mentality yeah um but you know that being said for functional wear you can't have you know, it needs right. to be all fired ceramic materials in order for it to be food safe or, right. you know, vitreous or, you know, whatever your end goal might be. Right. Um, so that's, that's another wrinkle in, in ceramics or pottery that I think is so interesting that it does have this, you know, interaction with food, which is so intimate. And mm -hmm. it's like there mm -hmm. are real like health and safety concerns, right? Oh, for sure. So, for sure. <laughs> so you just you can't be too free and loose with it or, no. you know, like no. you're killing people and not kill, maybe killing people if you're using like lead-based something. You know, the lead-based scare, I could go on about that, but you know, yes, it's not safe. It's not safe to eat lead-based glaze, but I mean glaze, but um, you know, we all had lead-based glaze in our pottery when we were kids and, and everybody's Probably still alive. No, it's about when you store things over a large, long period of time in a pot that has lead glaze that lead can leach into the moisture in the food so let's sure. for example some kimchi in a pot you know that's right. going to sit and it's going to take on all that lead and yes you could get lead poisoning but you know most glazes these days i mean you can't even buy toxic materials anymore the right. ceramic suppliers just don't they won't sell it you yeah. know if you could name uh some of the techniques that you use um or describe some of the, your favorite, I guess. Can you do that? Is, is there, are there favorite techniques or sure. approaches? Um, I don't, yeah. I'm thinking of that. There's a photo transfer uh, technique that you had um, mm. told me about that I had never been aware of. Are there, do you have favorite methods, techniques, materials, glazes, clays that? For sure. I mean, there, it's, you know, the, the options are just like any other, uh, or like painting or whatever. There's a ton of choices, right? So um, I typically work in what in earthenware, which is a low fire clay body. So that fires at about 1880 degrees. And um, that would be similar to terracotta. Uh, like just any old plain old flower pot you find at the hardware store. That's a low fire terracotta clay. Does low fire necessarily mean that um it's not as uh, rigid, it is not as durable? Good or... question. So it's a little bit more brittle. Earthenware clays are more brittle. Um, uh, it can ship a little easier maybe. Um, right. You can't get them as thin, they're not as strong, and they're not quite as vitreous. 
So I'll go back to the flower. What does vitreous mean? Vitreous means it won't, it has an absorption rate that's higher than, a, so for example, your terracotta pot on your patio with a plant in it, when you water that plant, the pot leaches on water and it could make a ring on your deck or whatever, right? right. And we've all done it. If you have, let's say, a porcelain teacup, you pour tea or coffee in that cup, that cup is 100% or really close to 100% vitreous, um, mostly because it's glazed, but also the clay body is more refined and, and um, has a higher absorption rate. So porcelain is a high fire clay. Got so it. we have a range. So vitreous, um, the, is that synonymous with porousness or absorptive or it means watertight watertight means, water <laughs> yeah so that would, that would be your it seems like that would be your absorption in there yeah. like yeah okay so it's probably not just about porousness it's probably about um i imagine there are other mechanical properties that make it right yeah so you could have a particle that can actually absorb water it may not be a, a uh, air bubble or hole it's not a porosity level it's right. like it could actually take on water so that's why you want to glaze you know for the most part if if you're making you know dishes or something for food then that's why it's glazed because the glaze is a surface that's going to make it completely vitreous and make it so that so you can make a plate out of terracotta or something some kind of clay we're on a big sidetrack, I think. No, I'm go trying for to it. remember the uh, question we started with. Um, but that's you know okay, so the, yeah, so, so if that's you why you glaze out of out of terracotta. Then you'd want to you can you glaze, glaze it. it so it's right. more vitreous. Or if I'm going to make a vase out of terracotta, I'm going to make sure it's well glazed on the interior, so that when you put water and some flowers, it's not going to leave a ring on your table. You know? Right. Right. Um, so you prefer so, the low fire clays. What is it about the low flat fire clay that you um, like? I like, um, well, I, I actually like some high fire, you know, mid and high fire clays as well. Right. But the, the, okay, so the thing I like about the low fire clays is you can get brighter color glazes in low fire than you can with higher temperatures because you know when you have a higher temperature all of those chemicals and particles and um, everything they're burning away right? right so the hotter it gets the less vivid or bright the color is going to be so low fire, is that just because like I, I imagine I understand the burning away part but no. it, it, I imagine there are just less chemicals that can withstand that amount of there's heat. that too that's another right. yet another factor right. yeah or pigments or whatever yeah so I imagine like iron oxide could probably handle yeah, that, that's a perfect, right. that's actually a very common colorant right. in um, glazes. And, in paint as well. Yeah. That's why paint barns red, right? <laughs> it's like iron oxide's everywhere. Yeah. So uh, so you like the, just the range of colors available to you? At, with the yeah, I mean, I like the earthy, uh, rich uh, quality. I use red clay, and actually I use a terracotta clay that's called mocha. It's a little bit more brown than that typical orange color terracotta clay that you find um so i use the i to me it just seems more earthy you know i don't know i go through phases you know i mean if you asked me 20 years ago i would have told you i like um what's called b mix it's a white china clay and a porcelain blend um it's a domestic clay um 
but it fires to cone 10 or cone 5, which is, you know, in the 2000 range. It's maybe four, let's see, mid-fire is probably 400 degrees hotter, like in the two, 2400 range, somewhere in there. What's an example of a color that you can, uh, that you can get with a low fire that's not available to you at high fire? Uh, reds are tough. Mm. Um, but, the, you know, okay, so, there, you know, there's no short answer ever in ceramics. Sure. So there's some celadon glazes that if you fire, oh, I'm going to forget which direction it is, oxidation or reduction. I think it's reduction, where if you do it in oxidation, I might have this backwards because it's been years, but, you know, one, and, and that's in a gas kiln, oxidation and reduction means the, the blend of how much gas and air is in the, the firing chamber. Right. Um, so one way you fire it, it'll come out green. In the opposite way, it'll come out red, pink or red. Mm. You know, so that's a high fire. But if you go to the low fire, like what I'm using, you can get bright red, bright pink, and a lot of those are synthetic colorants. You mm. know, put into a you know a glaze, um, just like mason stains, mm. um, colored glazes, color like a clear or a, a white glaze that's been tinted with a mason stain, basically. You said about at least five or ten words in there that I that you just no clue. You may just, as well have been uh, a different language. Um, but so one the you know one thing that I really love about I mean I love living in California. I'm from California. I'm you know uh, inspired by things that are sort of intrinsically Californian and. Um, one of those is our, you know, California tiles, like the, you know, um, Malibu pottery and Catalina pottery. All these companies in the 30s, 40s, they were making these Spanish tiles. And so that technique is called cuerda seca, which means, I think, dry, dry cord or dry line. Dry. And it's basically using a wax resist that's been tinted black, and then you fill in the areas around. So that's the technique I use. But then I pair it with modernized sort of California imagery or patterns or, or motifs. So I'm taking this old, older California, you know, something that's sort of associated with California, you know, haciendas and, you know, ranches and things as this Mexican tile, right? Or Spanish tile. Um, but then putting a contemporary spin on it. At least that's what I hope, I, hope I'm doing. Would they use that um, those black lines as decorative elements on on like roof tiles and stuff like that, or was that not so much roof tiles? But it's it's mostly t um, you know tiles like you'll see in old Spanish style buildings at the risers of steps, you know insets on patios, you know like it'll be all terracotta, and then every fourth tile there's like a little medallion or something. Got it, got it. But mine have surfers on them. They're awesome. Thanks. Yeah, the, the, there is something just uh, deeply California feeling about not just the imagery that you use, but the the color palette, the um, I don't know, yeah. the kind of graphic quality. Yeah. Thanks. And then, you know, the material too, just that color of of clay. I don't know. I have lots of associations with you know. That's that's another reason why I use that brown clay. It's it, right. it's. You know, it's very similar to the clay bodies that were used for those tiles. You know, mm. I want to, you know, honor that and, you know, do my own version of it all at the same time. If I, I hope I can. You know, um, any other 
materials, techniques, um, approaches. Oh, I have a long list. I'm sure you do. Yes. I have things that are that I've tried and had you know mild success with that I want to explore more. Like you can silk screen on clay with hmm. underglaze or glaze. So. Um, I've done some of that. I just, I'm dying to do more. So would you silk screen uh, photographic images or? It's anything you can put on a silk screen. Anything you can put on a silk screen, cool. Yeah. And then, you know, there's um, now with uh, printing technologies becoming more and more um, accessible, you can buy, you can literally buy ceramic decal papers, make your own decals. You can have decals made, you know, if you want full color. Um, so is that like a water slide decal that you... It's a water slide decal that is ceramic material though. So you, you, you slide it on and then you fire it at a very low temperature. You know, it's already got to be a finished piece that's glazed and then you put your decal on and then you fire it and it becomes permanent. It's fused into the glaze. Hmm. Because it almost seems like the possibilities for these things are endless, you know, or even layering them up. Like, what if there was a silk screen that then had a transparent glaze that then had the decal, you know, like totally. that yeah. are all, you know, um, layered and informing each other and creating, you know, weird and interesting things, you know, like I would just say to whoever's listening, um, walk around your house and see what what you live with and what you use daily that's ceramic and it will surprise you there's a lot and a lot more than you thought um it's actually what i you know tell my students often it's like i don't know what to make i don't know what to make well go pick one of your favorite things from home and make a new one by your you know yourself like whether it's the cup your toothbrushes go in or you know the dish that you put your kitchen sponge on or, you know, like, or the thing you throw your keys in, you know, they're, you know, these objects are around us. We live with them all the time. And, um, um, you know, I, I, uh, I think that it's important to, you know, appreciate them. That's all. Yeah. And, and I would always advocate to, for, uh, you know, people actually going out and consider buying original. Work, oh, for right? sure. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, there is a palpable difference to me anyway, and I think if it's not hard to get there either. Where, where I walk into a house and if I see an original painting, you know, yes, that's, yeah, that's actual, I can tell was made by somebody and not just like a, you know, right, a print not of a some print variety, or, right, yeah. yeah. There's there's a soul to it, right? There's a that there that artisan or the person who made that a piece of them is there, uh, you know, that presence is there. Anyway, and I think yeah. uh, probably even more so with these objects that are such an you know so integrated into daily life. Like, yeah, I mean stuff. the thing. Well, yeah, just. I don't think people appreciate. I guess I'm, I'm I don't sorry, think sorry. they do. They forget that these things used to like a mug, the coffee mug you might drink out of every morning. It wasn't made by a person. It was slip cast in a factory, you know, probably in a foreign country, and a machine dipped it right. and glazed it and went through a conveyor belt kiln, and right. you know that's how it. But if you bought a mug that you used every day from, you know, whomever, 
Uh-huh. You know, from Rob. Yeah. From Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Need to make, I gotta start making if, mugs. Right. No, if you, if you bought that from, from somebody, yeah. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. Every, it's going to cost you a lot more. So that's, you know. It costs you a lot more. It costs you a lot more. Every day. Every day. You're, you're holding and enjoying and, it. Yeah. yeah. And it means something. It like, does mean something. Or, or uh, you can, you know, I mean, oftentimes people attach memories or, oh, I bought that right. mug on that trip or whatever. You right. know, that's, that's good too, you know. Uh, there's a tactile quality to it that, you know, commercial pieces don't necessarily have. Right. Um, and so oftentimes if I, let's say, okay, back to mugs. If I'm shopping and I'm holding the mugs, I'm going to go test all of those handles on all the mugs from all the different artists see which one my hand fits best in, right. you know, and, you know, something as small as that makes a huge difference um, in how you use and enjoy something, you know. So, and yes, please support your local potters. Do you consider yourself a ceramicist? What are you? I'm an artist. Are I, you an artist? I, I, I go super vague, yeah. <laughs> so if you were to write your own bio, you would say, you know, artist, yeah, artist. Only because I feel like everything informs each other. You know, I mean, right now we've been talking predominantly about pottery, but we've gone up on printmaking, we've gone up on painting, we've gone, you know, and, right. and all those conversations are valid. Making those, you know, working in those other mediums informs other mediums. They, a lot of it can cross over. You know. But do you, do you feel like you have a grounding in any in ceramics or any one medium or uh, I understand the the desire to kind of resist being tied down to one you know specific medium? Well, yeah, I mean, I, like David, I have my favorites. I mean, right. and pottery and painting; those are my two favorites. Because I think even if I were to do pottery, I would I would do it as a painter. Like, there's something. That I've a connection I've always felt to that mode of creativity. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I think it's interesting. I think you know, for a long time I was a, an interior designer, you know, right. and and that was my label that you know the world decided that I needed to be. But um, I think now I think more and more, you know, I'm I'm a ceramicist or a potter, you know, mm. and I've sort of changed that definition. I don't know. I think people need to under. I think there's an people need to understand what you are and what you do, and so they like to these labels, right? Sure. So I usually say yes, I do ceramics and I paint. You know, I don't. I don't. I'm not completely aloof and. You know. Right. But yeah, on my and on the official autobiography or the biography, I would say artist. But. Right. But I think. You know, for me, I, I actually this is an interesting question. I had a student ask me. Or her husband wanted to know if you could pick one, pottery or painting, hmm. which would it be? Right. And I, I said that's, that's really mean. No, don't <laughs> ask me that. No, but I picked pottery because I can do both. Right. You know, I can paint on a pot. You know, I can paint you know, little flowers or you know whatever or a surfer or whatever it might be. So uh, for me, I think um, yeah, I guess. Maybe you helped me just figure that out just now. Probably more of um, a ceramic artist or a potter um, at this point in my, you know, in my life. Right. You know, that, I've gone through, yeah, yeah, I've gone through all kinds of waves. Um. Rob, it was great to talk. Thanks for your time. 
find images of Rob's work on Instagram at Rob Homesy Studio. That's R-O-B-H-O-M-S-Y-S-T-U-D-I-O. And all of this information, some images, and a brief biography are also available at the website for this podcast, which is dabalon.com forward slash podcast. Next week, I will have another conversation for you, so come back. Also, rate me on iTunes, subscribe on the website, and tell friends and family. And this week, I think Rob's suggestion is a good one. Walk around your house and take time to notice and appreciate how surrounded you are by ceramics. Ceramics.